All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This is part two. Doug describes his journey to becoming a hip-hop star and one of the world's greatest entertainers. I really like this episode, and you will too. I have a question about the Oh My God record. Yeah. Now, I know that we're in a whole different time period now. So having grown up in Reagan's America, which was heavily Christian conservative, moral majority, all those things, I can see I had a different opinion of it when I first heard it. And of course, 30 years later, opinions have changed. And we now live in a time period where like, we we believe that you know a woman's choice and whatnot, but you know right. even before Common did retrospect for life, I remember like Crazy. how big the abortion song was on your it's first crazy. album, right? So what what was the what was the what was the because the thing is like on that on that debut record of yours, the the two things that my my two takeaways was definitely. You know, play this only at night mm-hmm. really truly could have been given moments in love a run for its money for right. like the first new jack kind of you know right. slow join. Right. Right. And I just at that at that point I never heard a a rapper really get topical about anything that wasn't just street conditions or you know, violence on, you know, like day to day violence. Like you just never heard a rapper rapping about abortion. What, what prompted you, what prompted you to, to even go there? Well, you know, cause back then it was, and has anything changed for you? (laughs) Right. Well, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, I'm going to tell you two things and that's a beautiful question. I like how you slipped that in there. I like how she did that. That was so sweet. And I haven't forgot about New Jack City. I, you, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're going to get you. We're going to get to 1991. Right, right. Trust me. 
No, no, no. But look, what happened was, as you know, hip hop, the expression is raw. All the way to heaven is the first song ever dedicated to God. That's before Jesus walked. That's before anybody ever did it. It was a chance. It was all the way to heaven was created because we were happy. Mm. We were happy about what God has given to us. So, so when I'm saying the wait, different wait, wait, things, can I can mm-hmm. I just briefly interrupt sure. you for one second? Sure, sure, sure. And maybe you could double this answer because yeah. I swear to God, I would I would have killed myself if I didn't ask this question. Speaking mm-hmm. of all the way to heaven, yeah. Can you please? I think I heard you explain this once on a radio show back in like '86, mm-hmm. and I could not never find this quote. Can you explain the 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 the, the logic you had? with creating the show as far as its spiritual element. Like, I think oh, I heard you yeah. say one time where you Ooh, was like, heavy ones too quick. Well, no, no, no. He, mm-hmm. he mentioned something about like, like, Oh my God. Like mm-hmm. he purposely right. chose the, Oh my God sound bite I did. with the six, 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 six minutes thing. Right. Mm, even is real. Like, yeah. is he real? Like it's, is it's, it real? Is it real? I if thought you, I if dreamed if this. Say, I don't know if, if I say, dreamed it or not. If you say, but, is it real? Say, if you say, is it real fast? Say is real right. So that's that's right. That was happening, and and oh my god, you know, and kind of like, you know, a lot of things for me happened through dreams. Like even the show came to me in a dream. It was like I woke up and something told me to do it. The same way I just did this new project about Chuck Brown. It's like these things happen to me. No, but it it happens. It's, It's a real interesting way that artists create. So when I did, oh my God, is it real? I told Barry and Will, and they was like, how are you going to have us cut these two things at the same time? <laughs> I said, trust me, it's going to work. And when they started cutting it, it just became that. Was I consciously thinking about the creator? I can't really say I was. It was just something that was making me do this. Now, a lot of people thought that when it was saying six minutes, it was worshiping the devil, but it wasn't none of that. It was just that it was a kind of a cool thing in a way where if you listen, I'm more of a rhyme stylist. So when I'm doing something, it's never going to be what you believe it should be. I'm not trying to be the greatest rapper. I'm trying to convey an idea. And that's my main focus. So six minutes, six minutes, six minutes, Dougie Fresh. It's it became kind of like or like, no. No, 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 we didn't. No, 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 no. See, like it's not a rhyme. And then and then if you think about the show when it's going on and in the back, you can hear right. Because because all of these different pieces kind of like it was more, it was changing the way an a hip hop artist were to approach things. I was changing what you consider to be hip hop. I wanted you to expand. I wanted you to think that you can't, you don't need just one DJ. You can use two, you can use three. I wanted you to think about, look, listen to the rhyme. It's all because of, you put a song in a rhyme. Michelle, my, like, let's my do love. something different. <laughs> Cause you gotta be flash to rock with. And I'm known for the not like, let's, let's play. At the end of the song, I'm doing, as you can see, most definitely, I'm not rhyming. I'm talking to you. We are like, 
Like it's uh, it's it's changing. It's like a, what vocal is it a spiritual song. It's like a is vocal it, is the show hip hop's first spiritual song, or with seeds wow. in it? <laughs> I, I I think that in its own way, organically, it probably was without without consciously doing it. Okay. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I consciously did everything that way. I just feel like I was driven to do that, you know. And then okay. all the way to heaven, me and Rick was going to do it together. So when I made Oh My God, I was in a very, I was in a state where I was feeling bad because of the way I had to keep this thing going because I thought me and him together was, was, was really good. And I felt like I was disappointing a lot of the people who love the chemistry. So okay. I was in a position where I felt like I had to keep moving. And I know that some people would 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 take it a different way but i also felt all the way to heaven was important because i felt like how can i go from this point forward and not give thanks to the creator for what was done i'm a guy that saved up this money went in there made these records a dude owed me money i went to the studio at my friend's house i made this up and it exploded. And it's one of those stories that nobody would ever believe is true. So I'm thankful. And even though me and Rick had our issues or things wasn't working out, I'm still thankful. So then I also felt that a song like Abortion, the baby on that record Mm -hmm. is being born. And that's Bernard's right. That's Bernard Wright's son. He, he He went into the room, he was in the room when his wife had the baby and I said, record it. I said, record it. I want that on my record. He said, I'm coming back with it. He went in there with a recorder. (laughs) The baby was crying and I put it on the top of the song. Now, why did I do that? I did that because I felt at that particular time that this is the most beautiful thing in the world. This is my man's son. You know, I'm here because of this. So mm. I felt that that topic and that thought process was one that I felt very strong. About. And then I had a girlfriend mm. and that happened. And mm. when it happened, it affected me. Mm. And when it affected me, I wrote about it. The same way I wrote, she was that type of girl. I wrote about it. Same way All the Way to Heaven, I wrote about it. Same way Nothing is about people smoking crack and things happening in the community. I wrote about it. Play This Only at Night was the condition that I seen Harlem. Harlem was like Night of the Living Bass Heads on steroids, bro. So I wrote about it. So the music was, 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 was explaining what was going on. And I didn't, I didn't think nobody might get it like I got it but I felt like I needed to give it to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and even with, with, with loving every minute of it, that was my first introduction to seeing Chuck Brown live at the Capitol center. So I was so influenced by that energy. I came back and wrote loving every minute of it with the go-go track in it. So I was just, so that was your first introduction once again. Okay. okay. But see, it goes back to honesty. I know that honesty you know, honesty is not always 
appreciated. And it's not always shut up good. And it's not always good when it when the timing is off. Sometimes yeah. it can cause. I, I tell people, truth out of season can be destructive. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then there's a fearlessness in telling truth. So when I was putting records together, it was my truth, and it was a fearlessness that I felt I'm going to deal with what come with. It. When I would play the records at the party or something, and they get to that record, of boys. I'd be like, man, I know they hate me for this song. I know they Listen. hate me. I said, but I said, but you know what? I said, but yo, man, this is where I'm at with it. This is how I feel. I appreciate you your know? honesty. I, and, and also, I, you know, sometimes as, as fans, we have to allow our artists to evolve, especially if they started young. We did it for Common. Mm. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah right. But I mean, back, back in 85, that was the modus operandi. Wait, I have one more show question. And again, I, I got it. This, the intro to the show. Right. Was your inspiration right. behind that the whiz, uh the, the gold, Absolutely. yellow, and green? Absolutely. I Absolutely. knew it. Absolutely. <laughs> no question. And when <laughs> I did it, I said, <laughs> I said, I said, but I want it to be better. I said, I want to feel that. I said, but I used to love when Richard Bobby. Gold is the country. I changed my mind. Gold is the color, color now, children. Right. And every time he gets <laughs> to ready to seen talk. in green. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and so after, I said, I want it to be big, you know. And one of the things that I felt with a lot of hip-hop songs was they never, I always felt like, and I guess maybe the influence came from super rapping, but it was a Friday night, everybody. Like, I felt like if a song is coming on, it has to make me feel like like you taking me someplace. Mm. You know what I mean? So the show was the first record that I was able to get out all of my ideas the way I wanted to. And because I went through so many, you know, situations with not being able to express my ideas to the fullest, it was like, I'm going to put up my own money and I'm going to express my ideas my own way. And, and that horn, in the beginning was inspired definitely okay. by the Wiz. Man. Okay, so question, here's a fact that I did not know because if you're not getting the record, at least in 1988, if you're not buying the album, mm-hmm. this is before the CD generation, cassettes really aren't giving you liner notes. So I think maybe he revealed this to me four years ago. I had no idea that the bomb squad was kind of the production unit behind your second album, World's Greatest Entertainer. On two songs. Well, even there, period. And if you look at it, Keep Rising to the Top really isn't when you bomb pick it squad apart. soundy. Right, because but when you look I, at all the different I samples, though, it. it is kind of, you know. Well, I mean, no, and I'm going to tell you, the song, once again, the same way I acknowledge Teddy Riley, I acknowledge the Bomb Squad, and I met Chuck D on tour. And okay. I would and I would help them with the performance when Public Enemy was performing because they was opening up for us. So I would help him with his performance. I would say, yo, you got to let the S1Ws move. You got to get, you ain't flavor has to exchange the energy. So we started, he was just listening to me and he would try it out. And I said, Griff could do this part. And I would sit in there and we'd come together. And then he started telling me how he was a part of this bomb squad. And he said, yo, 
you should get with us and talk with us a little bit. I said, I got this joint that I want to do, man. And it's, I don't know, it's in hip hop. Nobody's ever really done a joint like this. I said, but I think it's going to take it to another place. And he said, all right, well, why don't you hook up with us? So I came to him. I came to Hank Shockley with Rising mm -hmm. to the Top. And then I said, let me hear some drum sounds the same way I did at Teddy's house. So mm -hmm. I banged out the beat. So I took the sample and, and he had all the right stock sounds because their sounds was incredible. And then Eric Sadler, when I was talking, I said, I said, I wanted to hear the doom, the doom, the doom, the doom, doom, doom. Right, right. And I wanted that kind of feeling that that I honestly got to say I got inspired by when I heard nobody beats the biz. When I heard crazy that was crazy and then i said i want to put chords at the end of it and then i remember everybody was laughing at me in the studio they said yo people gonna be coming out with their smoking jackets that shit was sexy as hell though yo rising to the top is the first that's the first 45 that I bought like with my own money for myself. Right. Like I it think was I, I, I was probably like nine. Pump Bro, it, up. it was so my my grandmother right. took me to the record store. I bought tougher than leather and the rising to the top forty five. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up because because on the forty five it was rising to the top was on the eight and then on the other side it was the instrumental. Right. And right, so right, right. I I I without going I'll just say I listened to rising to the top way more than I listened to tougher than leather. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is my, I love that song, man. I love that record. Dude. Why do I associate that is timeless. the first time I seen like Dougie do your dance to that song? The Dougie, to the yeah, Dougie, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, right. That's what I. That's what I. That's when I introduced. That's but because I because I came up with the Dougie and I didn't call it that. I was just doing it. Right. And then he was just doing Dougie. I, I was just doing Dougie, and then that was the introduction to the dance that turned into a whole nother yeah. situation, which I can't even. So I mean, how, you, how did it feel to even see it get to the White House? How did it feel to see that dance get to the White House? Yo, let me tell you, Quest. I was up there taking a picture with the first lady, and I said, <laughs> "Very nice to meet you, first lady." She said, "I just want to ask you one question." Am I doing the Dougie? Yes. Right? I turned yes. around and said, you're doing it so good. I never you seen it done better. Right? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, said, yeah. I, said, I said, I never seen it done better. I never seen it done better. And Dougie, so you was, go. They loved you, though. Story. I was like, you've been to the White House a few times during that, during that, that era, because I feel Quite like... I was at the White House during Easter and I saw Dougie Fresh walking out like I live here. I'm right, just um, coming right, through. Right, 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 right. Cause I was doing, I got this uh, foundation called Hip Hop Public Health. So right. we was performing, and we and and then I did the song for Michelle Obama, "Let's Move," our whole campaign. So I did the theme song for that, and then our organization <laughs> teamed in with him. For we did, we started fighting childhood obesity, high blood pressure, mm -hmm. uh, seeing the symptoms of when a person has a stroke, and we've been doing this work for the past 13 to 15 years, like teaching people how to eat, you know, trying to give them some kind of understanding of, you know, watching what you eat and the effects of if, you, if you're if you eating stuff that's not right. 
So, you know, Michelle Obama, when she said she was going to do it, hey, I said, where do I sign up? And then mm -hmm. I just started to do the song. So, you know, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? It Not really to mention, comes out I, that made me think when you said you was talking to Biz about his health, you was really talking to Biz about his health. I went hard on him. Mm -hmm. Meaning just not not hard in a bad way. Yeah. But I kept telling him, you know, Biz, yo, we got to make sure that, you know, you, you watch what you're eating. You know, these starches turn to sugar. The sugar turns to fat. If you get diabetes, it's going to be tough. And I said, you know, and I would take him out and he would be DJing sometime and he would be right. He would almost pass out on the set and we would have to catch him. And then I'd be, I'd be like, Biz. You got to stop this. You got to get. And then he started getting control. And I posted mm -hmm. something where he, he lost up on weight. stage. Yeah. He lost like 75, 80 pounds. And then after he did that, I was like, yeah, now, now this is what I'm talking about. And then when the pandemic happened and he sat home for a while, you know, like most people, they sat home and they just started to, you know, snack here, snack there. Oh, yeah, so he wasn't paying attention. Right. And then what he did is he caught a diabetic stroke. Mm -hmm. He caught a seizure and he caught a diabetic stroke. And then when he went to the hospital, when he had the stroke, you know, stroke is the number one disabilitating disease in the world. So he wasn't able to talk or he wasn't able to to move like he couldn't move. So we kept trying to send him flyers. I would get on there telling him jokes. Me and his wife would be up there snapping with him and doing the things that we normally would do to pull him out of it. And then he would show signs that he's coming out of it. And then there would be times when he goes down and and uh, and it really bothered me, man. But, you know, I'm hoping that what happened to him is making everybody aware of it can happen to any one of us. You know what I mean? And everybody loved Biz. Biz was such a bright spirit, bright personality. You know, so to see him leave at such a, you know, a young age, it bothered me. Definitely That's why I'm did. glad that these two brothers on this show, they talk about health all the time and they held each, help each other accountable. So yeah. I love it. I love it. Hello. I love it. When yeah. I heard y'all talking, I was loving it, bro. I was loving Absolutely. it on some real conversation. I know it's about me, but it's really about y'all. You know, I was loving it. And I like I like how y'all are supporting each other. Because that's where we go wrong. We, be believe, we believe that we got to go through this by ourselves. And we don't. We don't. Sometimes sometimes you need your man to, to, to check you a little bit or, or you know, or challenge you and turn it into a game. So it's not so, so serious. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, mm -hmm. you know, and look, and sometimes even if you fall off on something, you know, if you got a, a good team of people around you, you can you can get yourself back on it. But I just think that diabetes is such a bizarre disease because you don't really realize when your sugar's up and you're not checking it and your sugar could be at 800 and you walking <laughs> around feeling good and out of nowhere, boom, it takes Steve, you out. Where's your number not right now? now. Okay. He said, oh, what's your number? What's your, what's your number, Steve? I don't know. See, he see what you don't know, see, Dougie. While you having this conversation, we got somebody in our collective that has sugar issues, and it's get, I'm just saying, <laughs> it's and not, it's not sugar Steve for a reason. It ain't the two black, the two black ones that did that one, <laughs> right? Surprisingly, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's not us. Right.
Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Nah, but Doug, you are the you're the poster boy for like Asian and hip hop, bro. Yeah. Like you are Jeez. the yeah. I mean, like, yo, man, like just watching you over the years and just watching the way you've taken care of yourself and the way that yeah. you, you can just tell me you're thirty seven right now good. and I believe you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Like you got a skin regimen or something. Like what's your what's your diet? Like what what's nah, your like, what's your day to day? Well, my day to day is I usually try to run and then and then I got this program where I run and then I may walk. Because a lot of people okay. underestimate walking. See, this is the problem. That's how I drop. Oh, God, right. here you go. Right. All walking. Right. Walking is, <laughs> and it's is. a fascinating yeah. exercise because it actually gives you time to think things through. And when you're looking at them, you know, 
you you start to figure out different things. If you're listening to music or whatever way you want to do it, if you're walking with a friend, you'll be surprised how much you burn it. So what I do is I walk, I run, I ride the bike, and I do a lot of making sure I'm not letting nobody stress me out. And I think we got lost with that one. Yeah. I think that's the one that everybody's failing on or a lot of people because we so goal oriented that we want to be the best. We want this to be the greatest. We want this. We want that, that we start to put our health behind us instead of keeping it as number one. And then when you look at health, it should be in this order. This is my order. And I studied this order. Number one is rest, sleep. If you don't get that, you're done. You can't operate. You make mistakes. You talk crazy. You short fuse. Everything. It just turns into something else when you don't get no rest. Number two is your nutrition. You got to eat to live, not live to eat. You got to think about what you eat. And if you got sugar, you got to check that sugar. You have to so that you can gauge your numbers. If you like something that's a, a, a starch, ain't saying you can't have it. But maybe you gotta earn it. Maybe you gotta mm-hmm. maybe maybe you gotta earn that. Let's earn it. Walk Let's earn it first. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And then and then when you do it, maybe you maybe you earned half of that. You know, if that's if that's a game you want to play, but you can't just have that starch. Don't walk, don't run, be up all night, and then drink sweet juices. Oh, B, you setting yourself up for something that you have no idea is crazy. And then the third one. It's some exercise, but the exercise don't have to be that you working out like you trying to be, you know, a football player. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It don't have to be that crazy. If you walking, you getting on a treadmill, you want to walk Just and move jog your body. That's yeah. it. That's it. Like, And then after you do it and you start seeing how you feel, you're going to be happy to do it because it's, it's making you happy. And then while you're doing that, you rest, you, you energetic. You know, you got eight hours sleep or seven hours, whatever you need. And then you ate something that gave you a nice amount of energy. And then you go out there and work out. Yo, you did all of the things that you could do to survive on this planet a little bit more. But if you just be reckless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slight, slight confession time. Slight confession. Mm-hmm. I love it. No, definitely. I When it got colder. You know, Man. well, okay. So Man. here's the deal. So the deal, the deal is basically when Rick Rubin, and getting dark at four o'clock. Yeah, yeah. when Rick Man. Rubin was on the wow. show, he made me. He he was my accountability partner, and you know I was doing like ten thousand steps a day every day. Right, and then around mid September, I started falling off. Now, when I hear something five, when I hear from five different sources the same message, yeah, then I'm like, all right, Amir, you got to get. So you're officially. It started this morning with my mom. Amir, oh. are you still walking like you used to? Mm. Uh, yeah, mom. Amir, are you lying to me? Yeah. Mm. Grace, same thing. Like, literally, four people got on me about, okay, now, like, how how you doing? You still sticking to your plan, or you 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 falling off a little bit in the, in the winter? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll get back on it next week. All right, right. cool. Right. I I gotta get back on my ten thousand steps a day, John, because I felt I went from ten thousand to like eh, four thousand is cool. I'll just do like ten blocks and walk back home. So, right. 
I got to get back on my joint. See, and that's how the creator works because all of us are saying things to you. And I always say this now too. Don't get caught up in the messenger. Just hear the message. The message. Because you may not, you if you get caught up in the messenger, you may not hear that message. And that message can be coming from a little baby. It can be coming from a mother. It can be coming from a person that you don't like, but they said something that was really important for you to hear. If you got five different people, sometimes, and we get caught up in how the creator, is communi- creator communicates through us and he says things to us to say to somebody that maybe if that person can bypass who's the person saying it and just hear the message. Yes. A lot can come out of that. Because what's the odds of me having this conversation with y'all right now Exactly on this? And I and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. You see what I'm saying? But it has everything to do with what we're talking about. The brother on here with diabetes or me talking about how I seen it with biz or you watch so many of us, so many of us lose ourselves or pass away, transition just because we don't make little minor adjustments. It don't have to be extreme. It's like I always say, if, 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 if a person does a little, they don't even have to really do a lot. But if you just stay consistent at it, and if you just time, keep this, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, mm-hmm. like nobody ain't up. trying to make you, I'm not trying to make you work out to where, you know, you, you pass out, but you know, <laughs> you know, you, you well, gotta, move your ass, move your ass. <laughs> you gotta move it. You gotta move it, man. Wait you a gotta minute. move it. I, I do want to get key parts of your career out before we run out of time, which oh, I, I think oh, yeah. we got to talk about this. Yo, this we got to talk about, round. We, yeah, well, there's a <laughs> lot we got to talk about, but wait, <laughs> yo, wait, wait, wait. The hammer. We gonna uh, do- yeah, I was going to yeah, say we yeah. got to talk about do, do what too. I got to do. Right, right, right. Well, you well, got time, well, right, Dad? Yeah, yeah. We're going, okay. we're going, we're going to, we're going okay. to it. We want to honor you, you please, right? Yeah. What was it? What was the decision behind? Like, what? Can you give us the the, the atmosphere or 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 what it was like? Under the umbrella of Busted Productions with Hammer. Beautiful, beautiful doing, question. doing what I got to do. Great. Which another really great should lesson. have been way bigger for you. But Yeah, well, another great lesson. What happened with that project is I felt that when I came out with World's Greatest Entertainer, I felt really good about my album. I felt that that album was made in a way where I was trying to show people different dimensions about you know, my growth and about hip hop, like when I did Africa and when mm-hmm. I went to Africa in 87, hip hop wasn't in Africa. I was the first dude to run over there. You know what I mean? I was in Senegal, Dakar, Gambia, Gory Island. I wrote what? the song over there. Yeah, that's where Africa, that last song on World's Greatest Entertainer called Africa. I mean, right. Heavy D used to love that song and Rakim loved that song. But what happened is that I felt that the label really at that point didn't get my vision. Mm-hmm. When I first started with him, uh, and the thing happened with me and Rick, I think it took some steam out of him and he started trying to figure it out. But Rising to the Top was such a great record. Cut that zero, I felt on the strength, could have mm-hmm. done a lot better. I think people slept on that. A lot of people liked guess. So it was a lot of different things and I didn't feel my label got it, which I think a lot of us felt at points in our career. So I signed with Dick Scott Management, 
who was managing new kids on the block. And wow. he would he would fund me to go to the studio and make some records. And while I was doing that, Hammer and his brother heard I was no longer, I was looking to get out of reality records. So long story short, I got with his brother, Louis Burrell. Louis didn't know that reggae was coming. I was telling him, I said, yo, reggae is on fire, bro. But he was feeling like that don't mean nothing because I'm getting this. You can't touch, you you know, can't touch mm -hmm. this money. And hammers in the stratosphere. And so there was a beef between the East and the West Coast. So mm -hmm. I felt that if me and Hammer got together and I was able to bring what I bring to the table and he keeps doing his thing, this would show a, a, a union between us where this beef between East and West Coast wouldn't even really be there because Tim Dog was making, yeah, you know. Yeah, Compton record. Yeah, the whole album, yeah. that whole Penicillin Wax album was, a, yeah. Right, right, right. And I wasn't about that. So they paid mm. close to maybe like 1.2, 1.3 to get me out of the deal. So when they got me out of the deal, they said, yo, I just want to be able to put at least one or two songs on the album. And I said, okay, no problem. And they and I was telling them, reggae. so we was up there working it out. And what happened is I went to Jamaica and I went to go do Sunsplash. And I was doing dance all night. I don't know if y'all know about Sunsplash. And yeah, reggae Sunsplash. Oh, yeah. I always wanted to go. Right. Too young. I forgot him on it. Right, right. So I'm, so I'm like the first guy to ever perform on dance all night um, in Jamaica, which was unheard of. You might yeah, do weren't international. Weren't you intimidated? No. No. Look, that audience is tough, yo. That audience is tougher than Apollo. It's Apollo. Yeah, how did you, <laughs> how did you, again, I know your whole no fear thing, but. Yeah, yeah. That, well, I felt, I felt like, I felt my energy was stronger than theirs. And then I also had Papa Son, who we was doing records together. Uh, I mean, no, we was performing mm. together. So when I'm performing with him on dance hall, and then the other thing is, sometimes less is more and more is less, you know, because sometimes you're doing too much. So I felt like if I give them little samples of what I do, it'll make them appreciate it more than me trying to give them a whole oh, concert. So I got on, they accepted it, blew up, blah, 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 gunshots all night. Mm -hmm. After that was over, I got back on the plane and came back and I was doing something at Howard. And when I got back, Hammer's boy edited the video, did all of these different things with it. And then when he did it, it was the same guy that would edit Hammer's video. Mm -hmm. So when he let the song out, a lot of people was looking at the marching band and all of that, the battle of the band thing. And they thought that it was like we was trying to make a Hammer video. Okay. You see what I'm yeah. saying? So, gotcha. so I, I, was, I said, there's the true story too. I said, yo, bro, why did you edit the video and let it out without me being able to look at the video, acknowledge what it is? Because I had Red Alert in there. I had Curtis Blow in there. They cut all of the different elements that would give it the authenticity of the East Coast and showing mm -hmm. that love. And then when they said, they said, man, yo, we was just doing it. So I felt like the respect factor was not as high as my respect was for him, because I guess he was trying to go. And then right when it dropped, Capital dropped them. Ah. And the label went bankrupt. 
So the album never came out. Wow. So that album never came out. The single was coming out. And I'm thinking now, as You're I'm talking, talking about doing me, what I got to do album? Never doing, I had that tape. And it never came. It came like Capital was letting it out. And then they shut everything down because so they promoted. Hammer. Yeah, I was they, about to say I yeah. see. But they, you got the album? I had the tape. Uh, this was um, this was my stepdad before he passed. Yeah, he had that tape because my joint on there I used to run was the "If I Was Your Man" joint because you use Curious. Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. I, you know, what I mean, I, that, that was one. my record. So that was I the love one. That one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, man, nah, that record it came out like you know it, we was able yeah. to buy it. Yeah, but I'm 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 gonna tell you in regards to. When Capital, Capital dropped Busted Records, and when mm -hmm. he dropped Busted Records, whatever Busted had or whatever Busted owned, Busted was cut. Busted was cut off. Busted and, was busted. And, yeah, Busted was busted. <laughs> and so then I left. And when I gotcha. and when I left, I had to, you know, I had to rebuild the credibility because people was feeling like I was trying to sell out. So mm. that wasn't a problem for me because I built my career before records. So I went back in the street and started to kind of see what was going on. I seen PM Dawn. PM Dawn was hanging out at a club. We were both going to see Prince. So we mm. went to see wow. I seen him on my way out. It's funny. I didn't even think about this. I was seeing him walking out. He said, Doug, yo, man, I love your stuff. You doing anything else? I said, yeah, man, I'm getting ready to come. I got some ideas. He said, yo, man, my label, man, I think that, you know, maybe I should introduce you to this guy. I think he, right. He said, I think you know him. I think you know him. So I said, what's his name? He said, his name is John. I said, really? I said, let me, let me see if I know him. I went downtown to G Street, right? I'm not, I go in there and I walk in. This was my tour guide in 1985 when I went overseas for, perform, to perform the show on top of the pops. This guy wow, was wow. the guy who took me all through London. Wow. And now he got a deal with Chris Blackwell. So then after that, I sat there. He said, Dougie, I always wanted to do something with you. Do you got anything? I said, I got these three ideas. I said, and I think I'm ready to let them out as soon as possible because I need to make sure that people do not misunderstand what happened. So then that's when I came out with well, AOI. Right and mm, freaks, you did freaks. Yes, right. where is like, vicious? Vicious is now forty years old. Like where is vicious? <laughs> he still rock with me. He still rock with me. Vicious, but does he have a? I imagine at forty, he must sound like Mad Lion right now. Chopping screw now. That's funny, Amir, but that's true though. He can't sound. Yeah, no, no, no. No, but but he sounds good. It sounds like he matured, but it don't sound like he sounds really good. And he sounds like his energy is still the same. And when we perform, it's a serious situation. Oh, but I know it is. that song, that song, that song right there. Mm -hmm. When I when I came back from Jamaica, that's when I made that beat. Cause you told you them what I'm saying? I feel like reggae is coming. You told them. I tried to tell them. I swear I tried to tell them. Mm. But you know, but look, they was living in, you know, they had that can't touch this money. So they wasn't touching it. They wasn't touching it. <laughs> <laughs>
You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Can you, can you talk about your, your relationship with, uh, with, with Prince? There was, oh my God, a, Yeah, you did a, a, a long uh, apprenticeship uh, in, during that time period, at least three to four to five years, I think, almost. Like, you know, to see a Prince concert, you knew somewhere you were coming. Like, uh-huh. so how... An apprenticeship. Mm. Quest, Quest, you know, man, with Prince, the only thing that I can honestly say, man, I mean, this is this this is here's one that here's a quick one that I think you'll appreciate. I mm-hmm. was doing I did something for Sinbad, and by the way, I want to acknowledge Sinbad because you know he had a stroke. So Sinbad, I went out. Do you remember when he had this thing called Soul Soul Funk, and it was on HBO? Yep. Yes. Okay. So Sinbad, I went out there to go just to hang out. And then he told me, Dougie, yo, what you doing out here? Yo, I want you to get on, man. Could you do something? I was like, yo, I just came out here to chill, but all right, no problem. And if you know Sinbad, his energy is crazy. So it was like, you're going to say yes to me no matter what. So now I'm in Aruba trying to find a studio because I'm thinking, damn, I need to get something. I'm looking at a CD they got. It got, got to be real on there. I said, yo, man, let me let me sample this. Pressing it out on the keyboard. Studio was real under budget, not top of the line. I press out, got to be real, so I loop it. So then I go back on stage. I, I, in the night, I go on stage, and I say, he said, you going to do something for me? I said, yeah. 
they play the music for me and HBO was not to, supposed to take me performing. So I get on and I'm performing and the place is going crazy. The crowd is going crazy. It's moving. They never had hip hop. It turned into something. Now HBO was taping it without me knowing it because they told them, you know, this is Dougie just doing something, but that little something turned into something crazy. So then later HBO said, yo man, Yo, could we show this? Because this, this thing is unbelievable. Did you mm -hmm. see what this guy did? So then HBO played it, and it kept playing it every week, like, like constantly, right? So Prince seen it. So when Prince seen it, he said, yo, call Dougie up and see if he can meet me in Atlanta to because I want him to come to my show and perform. So I get to the show. I'm backstage, and he said, yo, um, Though I already got a set going on now, so I'm gonna do my show. But I wanna know, could you come with me to the after party? I said, all right. I said, yeah, I heard you wanted me to come out here, cool. So I went to the after party and this is when Left Eye was alive. Mm -hmm. So we go to the right. after party and Left Eye meets me and meet Prince and she's like bugging out like, yo, I can't even believe y'all two here at the same time. So I asked Prince, Prince said, yo, I seen you on HBO. That was unbelievable. What made you come up with that? I said, nah, I was just freestyling. He said, okay. He said, well, let me ask you. You think you can get on tonight? I said, yeah, no problem. He said, but I want to I, I want to ask you. I, I said, before I get on, I just, and he wasn't called Prince at the time. We would call mm -hmm. him. You ain't know what to call him. So, you know, you can call him the artist or whatever. I said, I just want to know when I get on, uh, how far you want me to go? He said. I want you to turn this mother up. I said, no, I understand. <laughs> I said, but I want to know how far do you want me to go? Like, I mean, I, I want to respect what you do, what you're asking me. Because I got on with Dre and Snoop and Eminem when they came to New York. And Dre pulled me to the side and was like, Dougie, I want you to get on. But please, don't go... Yeah. <laughs> Don't turn Just it all the way out. Right. I've seen right. your shows. Once you're like, on stage. Say some for them then, meaning, right? You take over the show, right? Right, mm -hmm. right, okay. right. And when he said that to me, when he said that to me, I was saying like, what do you mean by that? Like, don't you want me to? And then I got on and I felt, I, I didn't, I listened to him and I felt bad that I didn't go all the way. So after that, I said, I got to ask a person how they feel so that they don't feel like I'm trying to upstage their set. Mm -hmm. So I learned that. So long story short, Prince said, I want you to turn this music up. Like that. <laughs> and he said it in my ear, Quest. He said it in my ear. Like, a stick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he wasn't cursing or nothing. So after that, I said, yo. I said, okay, well, if that's what you want me to do, I said, well, that is what I'm going to do. And I got on with him that night. When I got on with him that night, I took him to a place that he ain't never been when it comes to this thing. So this is what he did. So I came down there, this whole thing. And at the time I was dating, I was I, when I when I was dating Miss Jones, I was down in oh, I forgot the thing for Sinbad. So I went down there. And I didn't expect that. So I did it based on the energy. I did Sinbad a favor. They taped it. I didn't know they were going to tape it. Then they show it on HBO and it explodes and everybody. And it was fun. 
And actually, after that, Cheryl Lynn was booked on the Soul Funk Festival after that because of the, how impactful it was. And then came Sugar Hill Gang and all of the other groups. So moving into Prince, he's seen it. When he's seen it, he called up Londell McMillan, who was my lawyer. Wow. Yeah. Right. And when he called up Londell, Londell said, yo, Doug, P said, can you come down to Atlanta? So I went down there and I took Grandmaster Cass. I took Grandmaster Cass because he loved Prince. And he told me that. He said, Doug, if you ever meet him, I just want wow. you to do me one favor. Please introduce me to him. So I was like, okay, I brought him with me. So I go down there, left eye is there. She's in rare form. She's vibing, energy is good. He gets in my ear after I ask him, I said, brother, I just want to be respectful to your set. You know, I appreciate you. And I don't want to do anything that's going to make you feel that I'm doing, that I'm trying to be disrespectful. And he was like, look, let me tell you something. I want you to turn this out to the, he said, he said, all the way out. I turned around, I said, no problem. <laughs> and then after that, I got on and I turned that mm, out to the point <laughs> that after it was over, we kept doing encore after encore. Cause Quest know how this go. We could, me and him, it can go for two, two hours, three, it, it doesn't really even stop. Like, do, do you have a, do you, do you have a, well, not an itinerary, but do you have a, a, a routine bag that you go through? Like, when you do your come again rhyme or right. your, uh, or I, I can't even, you know, right, right, like, right, right, right. like yeah, I know right, your right. go-to Dougie isms that can like, how many of those do you have in your head when it's time to just get on someone's set? Like, do you have like 30 things already thought out? Like, okay, well, this it is my first back. thing. It goes back to the same thing that I was telling you. I'm not thinking I'm feeling and what I'm feeling is what I'm doing. So there's wow. no, there's no ism. It is, it just is. And it is at that moment of now. And no matter what it is, it will be what I want it to be. And that is what it is. So, and I don't mean that in an ego way. I mean that from a spiritual perspective that I'm coming to the table with energy, like, like when we was switching to this for a second and going back to the story, when y'all did Dave Chappelle and he just called me, I was just coming to see this. I just came to see y'all. I didn't right. come to get on stage. Like, I swear, that wasn't my goal. I was just there to see you, him, and all. I said, yeah, let me see it. It's just going to be nice. And out of nowhere, somebody, I think Carla or somebody was like, Dougie, they want you to come on stage. And then... Dave is saying, yo, um, here, man, yo, come on, do it. So in my right. mind, there's a switch that just kind of automatically go off. And I'm going all the way in. Unless you tell me, don't. And then if you tell me, don't, I might just say, let them do it. And I'm going to just stand on the side and watch. Because right. I don't ever want to feel like I'm making somebody feel funny and I don't ever want to feel funny if I don't do what I naturally feel I want to do. So that night 
he had me in a tough situation and the clock was ticking and I was looking back at you. You was frustrated at him about the clock. And I'm like, damn, I don't want Quest to be mad at me. I said, I don't want Quest to be mad at me. Overages. But this guy keep telling me, go hard, go hard. And, and then Usher jumped on the stage. Then right. T.I. jumped on the stage and you was looking at it going, it's a wrap, it's over. Let me explain to our audience. Okay, so New York is very old school, and New York is what we call a union town. Like, you cannot step <laughs> on a stage in New York City unless you play exuberant fines. If you go overtime, um, they're, they're anal retentive with sound checks, with shooting cameras. If you bring a camera out of Radio City Music Hall that's like $25,000, like New York will find a way to tax you just for simple things. It's a very old school thing. So what Doug is uh, referencing is whenever Dave Chappelle does his like long residencies at uh, Radio City Music Hall, you know, he'll do like 15, 20 shows or whatever. Davis is one of those guys that also just lives by his heart. And I guess that he has the deep pockets to, you know, and as of the speaking, I saw Dave last night at Madison Square Garden with Rakim, Busta Rhymes. And, you know, the, the union guys are like, usually in New York, especially at Madison Square Garden, especially at uh, Radio City, uh, I'll say that for every five minutes you go over, that's like $10,000. So the whole goal is like when it's ten fifty nine, shut the show down. Not at a Dave Chappelle affair. Like, so... Mm -hmm. So at this point, when Dave is calling everyone on stage, I know we got like four minutes left. And all I'm thinking about is, okay, we're about to lose a lot of money here, and I don't want to be responsible for that. So at 1059, I want the promoters, and, you know, I'm I'm the hall monitor of hip-hop. Everyone will tell you I'm the hall monitor of hip-hop. Like, right, right, right. I'm the guy that decide like, hey, promoter, I'm, I'm, I'm following union rules. That's Dave Chappelle, not me, you know. But right, anyway, right, continue. Right, right, right. No, that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy the way you just said that. He said, I'm the yeah. whole monitor of hip hop. I'm the no. whole monitor of hip hop. <laughs> yo, <laughs> that's so crazy. I never heard nobody say that before. Yo, and, and, yo, and you know what? I seen it in your face when we was doing it. I was like, I said, man, Quest, yo, he, he's trying to get everybody out of here. I said, but Dave just won't stop. <laughs> and he keeps telling me, go harder. I said, I'm torn between should I listen to the whole monitor or should I listen to the guy? Overages. Or the principal. I do not like, I, I don't like what? losing $25,000 for nobody on my watch. Like, I'm Brother, a guy that wants to start on time, you know. But, Yo, and, and he didn't even care. Because so, he's rich. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, I'm rich, bitch. Right, right. <laughs> Yo, so, I, so, so because mm. of that and because of that kind of energy, I'm always careful because I don't want nobody to feel like I'm trying to do something to you or right. take something. So long story short, I get on with Pete Prince. Yo, he's like this. Go harder. Yeah. Go harder. Give me more. So after it's over the band and everybody, we go to the roof. They got this little roof. We sitting out there. He's sitting there looking at me like this. I'm telling you, I can't make this up, bro. He looking at me like this. Just sitting there looking at me. And then the band is standing around him. And he goes, how about it, band? What do you think? 
And they was like, oh my God, are you crazy? What do we think? Are you serious? Did you see what he just did? Do you realize that? And the whole band is going crazy. And after he turned around, he said, so what do you want to do? I said, oh man, I came out to do what I wanted to do. I had some fun with you, man. So this Grandmaster Kaz, Kaz is sitting there like this. Like looking at him like that, right? So I'm standing there and I'm like, Kaz, Kaz, you know, Kaz. He said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is a great night, great night. And then and then Prince looked at me, he said, so what you want to do? Do you want to beat out with MPG or what? <laughs> I turn, I turn wow. around, I'm looking at, I look at Cass, right? And this is real. I look at Cass, I'm like, yo, Cass, yo, this guy's funny, yo. Right. This guy's like, like in my mind. I said, yeah, okay, whatever. I said, man, I just came out, man. I said, I wasn't, I said, I didn't come out here for no paper. I just came out to show you love because... You deserve that, you know? And he, and I said, I said, and your band was fun and I enjoyed it. I said, but we're going to leave because, you know, it was a nice night. So right. he's a tree there, right? He takes a leaf off the tree and he go like this. And he go, <laughs> what? Bro, I'm telling you, he take the leaf, he go, he go, he go, okay. All right. Good. And then after that, I said, all right, I'm looking at him and I was like, do what? I supposed to eat a leaf too? I'm like, yo, where are we going with this one? But I said, yo, but I like your style. I like what you just did right there. But after that, I get up and I leave and the band and everybody's saying goodbye. I get back home, Kaz is blown away. I get a call, call and say, yo, the artist wants you to come on, wants you to come out. And he want to know, can you meet him tomorrow night in Oklahoma? He said he got 20 dates and he just want to know, what do you want? I said, are you serious? And that was the beginning of me and Prince. And it wow. never stopped after that. And it got so deep that he used to ask me and he, re and he, he appreciated him. He used to say, so where do you think I should come out? What, what songs, what's the order of these songs you think I should do? And I said, yo, you got to come out of the crowd. Like it was me, him, Shaka Khan, Larry Graham. We had Maceo. We had Najee. We had, he said, he said um, so should I come out the crowd? Right? I said, yeah, come out here. I said, when you come to New York, you got to do pop life. He was like, yeah, you think so? I said, I know so. And then I, he would listen. He would let me come the, in here. You, you are the curator. Show. Right. He would let me design the shows. When we did Essence Festival, I had another technique that I was coming up with as far as different performances. So I started out in the audience with the turntables because he never wanted to use turntables. I said, no, we're going to use turntables, but you never used them like this. So I would start with the turntables and I get the audience to the point it was crazy. We was at Essence Festival, right? And it was 80,000. Oh, yeah, that was 80, a big year. That was That's a, a hard crowd. That was a big year. Yo, it was 80,000. And before we went to the Essence, we did a, the, the some bowl place in L.A. And then later on that night, we sitting down. And then he Hollywood says bowl. to me, like, yeah, 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 Hollywood, Hollywood. That's right. That's right. He's sitting down with me and he says, uh, Essence Magazine is in here and they want to interview me Uh could you, could you talk to them? Can you talk to them for me too? So I started talking to him and he started telling him how this thing worked. He said, you see how you, see how you know what I'm saying? I don't even got to say it because that's how we locked in. 
And then afterwards, then he, he we would meet in LA and they say, yo, Pete wants you to meet him at this club. I go to the club. He's sitting in this room on the other side. The party's bouncing and he's sitting in there by himself with a little cup with like uh, like some coffee and some honey. And he's sitting there like this. <laughs> right? And he's sitting there like this and he's saying, you know, we're supposed to do the essence. So how you think we need to do this? I said, I said, how you think we need to do this? He said, I'm going rock. I'm going straight rock. I said, uh, all, I said, all due respect. It's black women, I sir. I don't, I don't think that that's the direction we need to <laughs> right. I said, I said, and then after that, he that is not the way. He said, on the thing, he go, and he put it down, he said, so what you think? I said, I think we need to do what we do, but you need to do the hits. Yes. I said, this is a black audience. And I said, I want to hear hit after hit after hit. Hits. And I said, now, but I said, well, before we get to the hits, I said, I'm going to take the turntables and I'm going to set it up in the middle of the crowd. And I'm going to get this thing pumped up to the point that is that is ridiculous. And then I'm going to pass it to you onto the stage and you're going to hit him with a hit after hit after hit. After. He said, OK, I got it. We went to the essence. I went into the crowd, like I said, set it up. And I had like 80,000 people doing the wobble. The damn building was shaking. Yo, I was right? there that night. Right. You was there that night. Yeah, I was there that night. Am I thought that backstage. You was not Am lying. No, 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 no. The whole building was shaking. I have never felt nothing like that other than probably Chuck Brown at Capitol Center or something that ridiculous. So after it was over, I mean, after that, I get it to a certain point. I know it's crazy because MC Light came over to me and said, do you feel that? Do you feel that? Like that. So that's when I knew <laughs> it was serious. So then I passed it to him on the stage. And when I passed it to him on the stage, it was crazy. It just, it, it was crazy, man. And I think then that I was came, the best one of all times, Doug. I think that was the they, best they, Essence Fest of all time. They, 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 definitely, they definitely say that it was definitely up there because it was nothing, it was nothing close. But that was the kind of relationship we had because it was like hanging out with a dude who was just as, like he didn't care as much as I don't care. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, he, mm -hmm. like we'd be riding around in the night and he'll be like, Yo, you wanna go, you wanna go to the club where I started at? I said, yeah, let's go in there. And you know that big guy who plays the drums that used to play the drums on the real Michael heavy Bland. guy? Yeah. Woo! He was in there one night. We sitting there and he say, yo, you feel like doing something tonight? I said, you feel like doing something tonight? <laughs> he turned around. He said, yeah. I said, but 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 you ain't got to do nothing. I said, I said, let me, I'll do something with him. He said, all right, bet, bet. I go in there, get on with, with Bland and the band that they have in there, turn mm -hmm. that into something jump back in the limo, drive out to his house. We sitting in the limo talking and he and he told me something that was crazy, man. He said at one time he said the time was a band that when he when he had to get on after them, he was nervous. Yeah. He really? said because yeah. the time generated yeah. so much excitement, so much celebration, so much mm -hmm. energy that he said he felt like when he got on after, it went to such a high that he's doing all of these different things, but he can't, he can't create that, 
that you know that jungle love. Mm-hmm. So then he said, then he said to me, he said, I've seen a lot of performers. He said, and I'm telling you, he said, you are the most unusual and the most shocking that I have ever seen. He said, I don't know why God brought me and you together, but he said, you make me feel that same kind of thing, but on another level that I felt with the time. And he said, and I'm glad that you're with me. <laughs> and not against you. Yo, I'm that, glad he's on no, my side. That is literally, you, you have no fear. And that's the thing that I want our audience to know. Like, you literally have, you have zero fear. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Wait, before we go, we got to talk about the Chuck Brown project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love, right, right, love right, right. letter. You know it's something? Okay. Letter. When you when you were telling the story of the show, it kind of it kind of hit me. And you know, I know that it's never going on record before. I know that the the that the perception is that Go Go really never got its just due. But it's just we never New Jack Swing is basically Go Go, and I really didn't truly realize that until. Wow. Like moments mm. ago, but yeah, if you listen to like I mean the yeah. show is essentially go go. It's New Jack Swing <laughs> also. It's a part of it. But Teddy, but like I think it. it's electronic. Yeah. I think it's electronic go go. And we just never called it okay. that. Okay. 
So I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you now. And I never looked at it like that because see, and this is, and this is not to take nothing from nobody. I'm not that guy. I'm not even built like that, but that thing about the way the beat plays and me beat like I, I program, I basically, he put on the metronome and I played it out and Mm -hmm. I put these things and I, and I, you know, I needed the guy who was technically savvy to, to allow me to get on that drum machine and do what I do. Because anything, I, like when I did Freak's beat, if I did Rise to the Top beat, if I do Lottie Dottie, I make the beat. Mm-hmm. So it's what mm-hmm. I do. When I did Original Human Beatbox, I make the beat. So right. when this happened and I was making the show, that swing, I never thought about it from Gogo because, you know, as a kid, I used to play the jukebox in the pool room around my block where we were, they had games and all that to keep us out of the street, but they had busting loose mm-hmm. in the jukebox. Mm-hmm. And oh, I would I keep you. hearing it. I said, Shala, get it. Mm-hmm. Y'all say what you want. Like the call. We were mm-hmm. Back to back to back to back. So I think that that feeling influenced me when I was making the show. Because it's the swing. It's that, it's that, it's it's the movement of it. And then, like you said, which I think is really a great observation, and I never thought about that, that the show is a go-go record. It is. It is. But you are the first person in the history, though, to do something besides a collaboration with the genre. Like, right, Doug? Like, technically, you're the only person of note that has given this kind of love to that genre in this way. Right. In this way. Herbie Lovebug used to, like, sample a lot. Yeah, but not in a... Yeah, he's... Not, like, the way he's doing it. It was always a collaboration, but not a total, like, dedication, love letter, and inspiration kind of thing. So how did the project come together? Well, it's interesting, man. I was... And I'm telling you the truth again. I was sleeping and out of nowhere, something said, write a song about Chuck Brown. Mm. And when it said, write a song about Chuck Brown, I picked up the pen and I just wrote the song and I made the beat. And on the beat, some of those drum sounds are me because I couldn't find certain sounds that I wanted for this effect that I was looking for with the go-go. So now what I do is I'll go in there and I'll do my own. I'll be the hi-hat with the drum. I'll I'll be the other snare on top of the snare. I'll put my low, low tone bass drum under the foot. So mm-hmm. now the way that I do beats is I'm I'm always intertwining now my own drum sounds on top of drum sounds because I don't think they have all of the drum sounds that I can hear anymore. So I make them up. So I started to build the track. And when I built the track, I was writing, I was writing a song to it. And then it was interesting to me because I was like, why am I doing this? And then I thought about the way I met Chuck. Run from Run DMC was the guy who told me, because we was on a show together in Capitol Center in 85. He told me, yo, you ever been, you ever seen Chuck Brown? You ever heard Go-Go? I said, nah, I know Chuck Brown, but what, what's Go-Go? He said, you ain't seen a Go-Go concert? He said, yo, wait until you see this tonight. I turned around, <laughs> I changed my stuff up, bro. I went up in there to get there early. 
Chuck Brown burnt this shit down to the Listen. floor to, to the point mm -hmm. that it was madness. I'm talking about you want to talk about you want to see a spiritual like a like an out of body experience. Talk about it, Doug. Play yeah. go go, play go go with twenty thousand black people in the spot and white people mm -hmm. that understand. Play it, and you're gonna see a whole a whole kind of experience that you never seen. So then I ran after he got off. I went backstage, started talking to him. I started telling him how incredible his performance was. He started telling me how he loves the show. He loves Lottie Dottie. He thinks that what I'm doing is really unique. And then we just became friends from 85 all the way to when he performed on the Capitol lawn. He called me up. I didn't know that would be one of our last performances. And I got on with him there. And he was such a, a beautiful spirit. And I, I, I looked at him like I look at myself where I felt like he he created something. And sometimes when a person creates something, like you said, Quest, which was really deep, the person who's the first person that created may not always be the one that's acknowledged, mm -hmm. you know? And I felt like I'm going to make sure that you acknowledge Chuck Brown. When you hear Beyonce's joint, you know, the first joint that she did, with yeah, crazy, crazy in love, love. Uh, crazy, crazy in love. Yeah. With Rich Harrison, he always gonna put that go go up in right. his mm -hmm. and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Like I, I want y'all to know, this is the guy that did this, and this energy that y'all feeling, this is the guy. And I guess spiritually, there was something. And then the other thing is that Prince, before he passed, he was gonna produce my next album, and he wanted me to do a live album. Hmm. And hmm. he loved Gogo. So yes, he did. Yeah. Right, right. So he wanted me to do something, I think, in this kind of a way that I did it because it's live. And at the same time, it's Gogo. And I didn't know I was going to be putting it together like this, but it worked out. But then and, let me clear my throat though, Doug. Like you already, you gotta your relationship with Gogo is like continuously all day, all day long. All can you day. just can you talk about for a second? Because I was just catching up and watching that video uh earlier, and I was like, yo, please tell me about this video shoot with you, Biz DJ Cool, like in this club. I know it's gotta be a story. And how yo, I'll tell you the quick cool told me it like I'm coming to the video, I pull up. Cool say, hey, Doug, what's going on? Yo, like, I don't even know what he want. He said, yo, like, I know he want to do something, but I mean, I don't really know. He said, yo, man, um, I need eight bars from you. Do you got them right now? Like, like, are you ready to do this now? I said, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, cool, let's do it. He said, okay, cool. Like, no notice, no, here's your part where you put your verse, no, no nothing. No That's setup, no right? nothing. Mm. So uh, after that, so he's, and then he told me later, he said, well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I told you to do that because I think you probably one of the only guys that could really do that and don't make it seem like you're doing that. You know yeah, because I mean, it is and DC. So, we, you know, I'm, yeah. so, I'm from so there, I can say. Like, yeah, we just started freestyling and then yeah. like the thing with Tupac on there, it was just something spiritually that made me say that. You know, so the, that was um, a live song and video at the same time. Y'all took the, the song. Same, same time. Wow. And it was in Philly. What? 
That's right. It was. At, it was at the at Bahama uh, Bay in Philadelphia. Yes, he says it. He says it. Yes, he says it. Damn, um, yo, bro, crazy, Doug, crazy. I, you know, this this is a legendary, yeah. legendary lesson. And thank you for giving love to to uh, to to everybody and go go in the song too. Because you ain't just give love to Chuck. You gave love to the areas. You gave love to 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 all the legends. So it was. I just want to. I'm sorry, Amir. I didn't mean to cut you. No, off, I, but I just want to say that. that. I yeah. appreciate that. Little Benny, you, know, you gave love to Little well, Benny. So thank you. Yeah, man. Because yeah. he used to do play this only at night, and the way he would do it. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's I I I still feel like I did in the beginning that. You still got, you got to follow your spirit and it's mm-hmm. not going to always be popular. And sometimes you're doing things because they just supposed to be done. I remember Prince told me when he wrote Kiss, he said when he wrote Kiss, he had to forget how to make records, meaning he had to simplify everything. So when you hear it, Kiss, like he said, he stripped it down. Right. He did. Right. Wow. Right. And when he stripped it down, he said it's because he had to go into a space where he had to simplify things. And and I feel as an artist that you go into these spaces for reasons and it sets you up for something else that you're supposed to do. But you got to go there, though, to get there. You know what I mean? Wow. I don't know why. I don't know what connected me to make this go-go album. But I knew I had to make it. I knew it was important. And the brother who shot the um, album cover, he mm-hmm. called me. And when he called me, it was a friend of mine who would go and film me in different places and stuff. And he has diabetes type two. And he called me and he said, Dougie, his name is Bobby Glenn. He said, Dougie, um, yo, man, I know you into this health thing, man, but uh, I'm, I'm dealing with this diabetes and I'm going to make sure that I don't do something that's going to cause me to, to, to have any problems. He said, yo, you got any suggestions? So I'm on the phone talking to him about it, going through the whole diabetic conversation, telling him, don't do this here. You like sodas? Drink a Zevia. Zevia is a sugar-free soda, and, it has, and it's not aspartame. It has stevia, and it is good. And he said, oh, thank you, Doug, thank you. And I hang up the phone with him. And, and he only called me for that, and I shared that one. He said, but Doug, yo, I got some pictures I took and I want to send them to you. And, um, you know, just some pictures I took a while ago. He sent me the pictures. All of the pictures was of me and Chuck Brown. And wow. he didn't even know I was making the song. He didn't even know I was making the song. And then I looked at one of the pictures. I said, yo, this is crazy. This is crazy. I called him. I said, yo, I just wrote a song called Chuck Brown. What's the odds of you sending me this? I said, yo, could I use this shot? Could I use this shot? And the shot that I made the album cover was the shot that that brother gave to me. Nice so this is what I'm trying to explain. Sometimes I think things just kind of serendipity. You know, right, right. So that. yeah, so that's right. what this album represents to me. And um, I appreciate y'all having me on here to talk about it. And brother, thank you. I know I kept y'all on here a little long tonight. No, we kept you. Oh nah, man, we love it. Right, yeah. We we live for these episodes. Um, we always got to tell folks, Amir, six hours, Jimmy Jam. You all right. Yeah, all yeah. Right. This, this, <laughs> you all right. This, this is right up there with it. No, <laughs> I, for real. I want to thank you, like, your your, your wisdom and, and your life lessons and your lessons on fear. I'm definitely going to apply that. Yeah, this, 
an awesome the world's episode. greatest entertainer. Yes. On. on behalf of Fontiglo <laughs> and, and Unpaid Bill and and Sugar Steve and like yeah, yeah. This is this oh, is, yo. I got one last question. I I asked this. this yes. like, if you got time, Doug. Okay. And I'm only asking this because it's you. Because I normally hate when people ask this question. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. For you, who are your favorite MCs? Not necessarily your top, you ain't got to say a top five or whatever, but um, who are your favorite MCs? And the reason I ask is because you're probably one of the first like real like vets that we've had on in terms of yeah. being able to work with DJ Hollywood. And, you know, I mean, you're from that, you know, that first kind you of class. You transcend all eras of hip hop. Yeah, straight That's up. Right. So, you right. know what I mean? So just to hear it from you, from an OG like you, who are, who do you consider your top MCs? You know, it's interesting. Uh, the, the people that I consider top MCs is, is a very interesting topic because I understand the DNA of where different styles come from. So when I'm looking at different people that other people like, I know where that style was birthed and why you like it or, or how it evolved to become that. So... Mm -hmm. DJ Hollywood is a very important piece of the puzzle for me because there was no style. He said, say ho. He wrote that. He mm. said, throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. He, he was the guy who, was, who jumped that off because he was bringing celebration. 
You see, so that was an mm-hmm. important piece of the puzzle. And in the beginning, it was one of the most important pieces. And Curtis Blow got it from him. Mm-hmm. And Lovebug Starsky told me that when he, I asked him, I said, yo, Love, who was the first person you seen do this, bro, on that mic? He sat there and said, Hollywood. I turned around, mm-hmm. I for real, he said, Dougie, he said it was, he said, I was sitting in the car as a kid and some dude had an eight track player in his car and Hollywood made the first mixtape on an eight track. He said, <laughs> and it would just play and play and play. He said, he said, and I just sat there and I said, I want to be like that. I want to do that. So then you got, you got love, you got love, but then you got busy B. Crowd rocker. Chief Rocker Busy B, yeah. Right. And they from ball with the ball and both of them doing that. Mm-hmm. So you got this whole line. So Hollywood is an important piece. Melly Mel is an important piece. Mm-hmm. It's an important piece. His style, not just the message, just his whole confidence in the way that he brought what he did. Grandmaster Cass, he brought that clever slick thing that you like about Kane. Mm-hmm. And when you listen mm-hmm. in the mail, you like KRS. And then you got Modi. And when mm-hmm. you got Modi, you listening to Modi, you hearing Rakim. Rakim. You yeah. hearing Nas. So the bloodline, I learned directly from the bloodline directly. And then and then while I learned that, then, then I had to carve out my space and create this beatboxing, which is a completely different dimension from everything so when people talk about mcs and who is this and who's that it's a little different for me because it's That's the same way I you. About chuck. <laughs> because yeah. you like you like rare essence then you like chuck you like eu then you like chuck like whoever you want to decide that back you want to yeah. you better you want to go back to chuck you see what i'm saying so even when you like like I know, I knew James Brown. James Brown, and I'm very close to the family. And James Brown liked me a lot. And he used to tell me, son, read your Bible, son. Read your Bible. And always take care of your teeth. And then he said, and always take care of your feet. <laughs> these was these were advice. That's a J- that, that that's a James, that's a James Brown classic right there. <laughs> take care of your teeth and your feet. And you got that's some nice what he teeth told too. me. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what he said. You have the best teeth in hip hop. Yeah, you kind of do. Wait a minute. Let me let me let me ask the opposite of, of let me ask the opposite of Fonte because there's Uh-oh. a lot of them. Uh-oh. Who are your top three beatboxers? Mm. Not you. Top Who are your top beatbox. three beatboxers? And there's a lot to choose from now. Right. I like Rozell. I was hoping. I was wondering. Yes. Yo, yes. I nigga, Rozelle. I forgot Rozell was in my group. Nigga, I was I, thinking the whole time. Like, <laughs> what is he thinking about Rozell and Scratch? I was just, I was oh, thinking it the man. whole time. I love Rozell. I didn't even ask that. I didn't even ask that fishing for a Rozell answer. I just straight forgot. <laughs> oh, shit. Rozell. I know that name. Sorry, Rozell. I Yo, love you, bro. Look, look, look. I even did a record with Rozell. I did one with him for uh, uh, DJ Hasabi out in Japan. Okay. And they said Rozell wanted to, I said, yeah, let's do it. I think Rozell, I think Scratch, man, was just, I mean, I mean, as far as being like, like so 
authentic and real and the way he he sound i just i so much loved mm -hmm. the way he sound i mean i was always so impressed with him and and just out of uh you know to me it's really i mean those two and kenny x i like a lot i forgot about kenny yes shout so, out to kenny x have you ever battled buffy at all like have you guys ever been on the stage together and did something or we were supposed to at Brighton High School in 83 or 84. I'll send you the flyer. And and they put us on the flyer. DST was there. Red Alert was supposed to be there. And this was before there was records. And they was calling them Disco 3. Mm -hmm. And um, and I went down there because I didn't even know that they had it set up for me to do that. So I came in there and I seen them. And I said, y'all want to do this tonight? <laughs> wow. And after I said that, I said, so I'm going to battle him, and then I'm going to take y'all two out. And, you know, because because it was it was fun. It's not like a, we was fighting. It was just right. about you. And then afterwards, it never happened. And then we did a couple of shows together. And um, we never did, and I never really had any interest in doing it anymore because, I mean, Buffy was such a good guy and such a nice person that it was like, yo, man, I don't feel good about battling this guy. You know what I mean? He has such a, a beautiful spirit. And anybody that knew Buffy knew he was just a nice person. And me and Marky D got into a little bit of an argument one time because when the show came out, he was very, he, he was looking at like, you know, like he was the one, he was the voice of the group and right. he looked, wanted to challenge me. And then after a while, you know, he was barking a little bit and going at it. And then I said, yo, I don't even have to beatbox. Do you want to battle rhyming? Do you want to do that? And he just didn't, he didn't want to do that. And so after that, cause I come from a battle era, you know what I mean? Right. I come from the foundation of battle. Like I told you, I'm on the side of the stage when Moji and Busy B battle. I'm the only kid that can say I was there. I was like 14. Wow. I was I didn't even supposed to be in there. And I'm on the side of the stage while that's going down. So I, I was at that battle. I was at the battle with Cold Crush battling fantastic, you know? So the the, the things that I've learned. From, from just being in that area. And then I was in that contest in 81, in the amateur contest. So that's the way we came up. You had to battle. But then as you grow, you evolve. So it wasn't about battling. And then me and Marky D became the best of friends. We would hang out, laugh. And then what happened is when Buffy passed, I did Tom join a cruise. Mm -hmm. And I wanted boys on there. And I said, we got to get them on this cruise. So I got them on. And when I got them on, I said, yo, let's do Britter Up Stick Them. And let's what? do it. Uh -huh, stick em. Wow. That's right. And wow. we did And it was me, Cool Rockski, and Prince Marky did. And we took pictures together. Aww. And man, those are my brothers, man. Oh, those wow. are my brothers. I love them. Always wanted to know, was there ever gone that's, too soon? These gone too soon are a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Brother Crazy. Doug, thank you. Look, yeah, if you bro. ever, you must open up another restaurant 
and share that cornbread recipe. But that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> Doug has the world's, when he had his restaurant in Harlem, he had the world's best cornbread. We it must be order, sugar-free. Right, Doug? Hey, look, this, look, this look. Was, yeah, this was three, five, five years ago. Anyway, Doug, I think you've hey, been hey, doing look, this. Look, hold on, hold on, look. And then you, yo, when, when he said, somebody said, everybody said, yo, man, your man Quest said, yo, man, outside of Lottie Dottie, the show, whatever, one of the most unbelievable uh, uh, contributions he have made oh, to the I world see. of hip hop is this cornbread. And I'm Dude. telling you, hey, look. <laughs> Everybody I was sending interns from the Tonight Show. I was sending interns to the scared little white girls to Harlem. I was sending little white girls named Ashley to Harlem. Cornbread, yes. The cornbread, yes. they call it crack cornbread in Harlem. Yes. <laughs> I want some. It's worth breaking your diet for. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. Telling. I may have to do. I may have to. We may have to do that one day. Just, Please. just a little piece. Hot. Yeah, just one, one, one cheat day. Doug, yeah, thank you yeah. for doing this episode. All right, this is the for official. Real. Nah, this is really it. Thank you. Nah, thank we you. love you, Doug. For uh, real, much right. love, y'all. See y'all later. Peace. Much love, Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes, Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.